0: Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malkin. Today, I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as actor, writer, nerd, believer. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Anna McGahn. Hi. Hello, Anna. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, just as well, it's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes you want to control, um, how you're perceived, but the reality is that, um, I, I, I tend to go with what I'm making, um, my living off. (laughs) So I introduce myself as Anna and I'll often introduce myself as an actor. Um, but then as I'm talking to someone more, I sort of like, like to let on that I, have other interests that you know uh, uh, some of which I'm even more passionate about, i guess
0: what are you passionate about
1: well really i'm really i I just love to write I just love it um and it's sort of that that was that's sort of been the thing that um since I was a kid, since I was really young, Mm -hmm. um, I, that was my, that was the thing. Like that was always what I wanted to do. And then I sort of diverged at different points and was like, maybe I'll be an astronomer. Maybe I'll be a politician. (laughs) Um, you know, and went off on all these different tangents and studied psychology. And then I got into acting school and I did that. And, um, I love all of it. Um, I love the idea we can have so many careers, um, and, and, explore so many things. Um, but I, I do. Yeah, I really love to write.
0: How do you balance out all of those passions?
1: It's, it's, I've learned over time that it's actually mm. about sort of rather than planning it out, rather than going, I'm going to devote this month to this, or I'm going to devote this week to this, or these three hours. It's actually easier for my brain. Um, to take on seven things simultaneously. So Mm. in like, at the moment, for example, I'm I'm filming um, and I'm studying um, screenwriting and I'm writing a couple of projects and directing a couple. And it's it's this strange thing where I was sort of looking at it all going, is it possible for this to work out? And I realized that the more it's that thing, it's, it's the busy you are, the more you get done. This idea that if you sort of, it's almost like the brain really responds well to, um, to change and to, um, m- like multiple sources of stimuli. And, and um, it's been like, that's sort of that's sort of how I balance it as well. Like it 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 helps, I think, to when you have like a a broad bunch of different interests across fields, you know, just even as even as a person, just to be interested in things, to go, I'm gonna take a little bit of everything, um, rather than a huge chunk of one thing. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's the biggest thing to have happened to you?
1: Wow. I think it was probably my faith journey. Um, Mm. I I think that that has probably been the biggest thing because it's (laughs) – Not that it's been, it was not that it was so violent or, um, you know, or, or just like, it wasn't as though like some, like lightning came down from the sky, but I think because it, (laughs) it, it changes, it changed me and affected me at a a very deep root level. So it it changed my intentions towards everything Mm -hmm. I did. And so that, that has probably been the biggest turning point in my life.
0: When did that happen?
1: Um, three and a half years ago, which is, you know, not that long, really, considering I'm 27. But, <laughs> but it's been a big three and a half year.
0: And how, if I may ask, how did that come to be? How did it come to pass?
1: Well, um, of course, um, I've, I'm, I'm quite open about it, simply because I think it's, it's just, it doesn't have to be you know, political, you know, it doesn't, Mm. it doesn't have to be, um, a weird thing. Um, but I was, um, I was very, I was actually very negative about Christianity. I was very, um, I was very against it, very vocal Mm. about it too. And, um, I find that that's quite a, a funny, um, environment situation rather to be in, um, you know, and, if there is a God, he can have great humor in um in changing a mindset like that um but i I basically yeah i i started a dialogue with somebody um mostly as a debate as an argument, and um I sort of came up against them a, a Christian and wanted to i wanted answers and um that dialogue sort of led to my own um humbling in a way. Like I just, I was deeply moved by certain elements and confused why someone Mm. that I thought was really intelligent believed something so stupid in, in my opinion. And, um, I ended up, I ended up eventually sort of sitting down with like a Gideon Bible in a hotel room and being like, right, I need to just read this and get this out of like over and done with. Um, and then once I've read it, I'll I'll, um I can move on and not think about the possibilities of this idea of spirituality and faith but when I read it I was um deeply moved and the very sort of act of of understanding an inverted kingdom or understanding the role of humility and um, and s- the idea of being a servant um i'd I was just I was totally totally rocked by it and it really transformed my idea um of the world around me and my relationships. And I think I've been very focused internally and all of a sudden I started to see people and I started to have this like my heart just started to break for people. Mm. And I um, I could I could see where I'd hurt all these people in my life or where I just disregarded humanity. And I um, I started this very sort of slow journey of of trying to trying to live my life differently
0: what has that meant in regards to changes in your day-to-day relationships
1: oh my gosh it's been it's been like earth-shattering <laughs> like, <laughs> like it it changes everything because instead of coming from a position of i have to consume and receive love and take everything I can from you because I don't know when I'm going to be fed again. Or like it's such its an orphan mentality, a starvation, poverty mentality of I don't know where I'm going to get love from, so I better take it from the people around me. Um, instead, it was transformed to this perspective of I'm infinitely filled with love. I'm infinitely um, covered by love. I'm so full that all I can do now is pour out. So I'll give my love away and I'll never need to worry about lacking in it ever again. And this sort of concept of of giving, um and and not the getting rid of that earthly idea of provision where you go, Oh, I don't know if I'm gonna have enough and, and suddenly just realizing that you have the entire universe at your disposable disposal <laughs> if you if you have the right heart to um to deal with it properly if that makes sense
0: how has it affected your professional relationships
1: um strangely it's been it's been really smooth and and beautiful i was so worried like uh, you know it's such a funny industry um and politically faith in christianity can be like presented in such an ugly way and can be so ugly and so destructive, and um I didn't want to, all of a sudden, like, be this—I don't know—like this full-on, outspoken, um, faith-filled believer person that was like that—that that came on and started. Um, I don't know. Started. Preaching or 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 attacking like people in my industry, like it. Mm -hmm. My heart is for my industry. I love it so much, Um, and I wasn't sure how it was going to affect my career or whether like there there was a lot of fear from people around me that it would negatively affect um, my work. But it just, as far as I can tell, it's my career has. I have been so happy with it. Let me put it that way. I've just felt Mm -hmm. so much peace. I've felt so much joy in the roles I've been am um, given the opportunity to do and the relationships i've been able to form in it and even the fact that i've been able to continue to have a career um like i, I like every day you just yeah, i'm grateful like i just I just think isn't this extraordinary and it's a dialogue you know it's and mm-hmm. people in the arts feel and um think deeply. They have to, they're called to do it. It's part of our job where we have to access a certain level of emotional, um, intimacy and, um, and spiritual intimacy in ourselves and with one another. And so it's a really healthy thing to do to sort of delve into that stuff. Um, if it's done with an open mind and open heart and with no judgment. And so I've felt, you know, that it's, it's sort of been a beautiful icebreaker sometimes for, um, for me and my workmates to talk about faith and for them to understand that I love them and I do not um, you know my my beliefs apply to me and won't be imposed on anyone else and and there's you know those are fully respected by me as well and and mm-hmm. and just sort of um, bringing bringing a, what I believe to be the spirit of God into that environment, to me, all it means is love. And it's funny, for for an industry where we are constantly creating these human relationships on screen and on stage, we're like we're, as humans we're obsessed, we're obsessed with human relationships. That's all, we want the answers, you know, like that's what we write stories about. That's, mm. what, that's what these industries are and yet um, so often artists have very broken human relationships because we don't have structures in which we can... Um, we can have commitment and stability and um, and accountability and all of that stuff. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to um, to keep that stuff um, really healthy and going. And, um, and so I just, I've found it a really beautiful thing, re-entering the industry from a different perspective, even in my own life and going, how can we come together as a community, as a theater or film and television community and support and love one another in a way that produces good fruit, that produces, you know, not only beautiful stories, but beautiful human beings. So the artists aren't actually suffering, um, in the midst of it. And to me, that's sort of, that's my faith in action more than anything.
0: What challenges you?
1: A whole lot of stuff. Insecurity challenges me, um, anxiety challenges me I'm a chronic overthinker um, <laughs> like it's shocking um, and I get I get overwhelmed and then I get complacent and as somebody that wants to be creating that
0: is so frustrating <laughs> <laughs> how do you? How do you combat these feelings of anxiety? These these insecurities that surround you.
1: Um, I've learned that I learned that it's about speaking life. Um, I've, I've like even in craft, even in acting craft and stuff. Um, you, I was taught in America at Stella Adler. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught that so much about the creative act of of making a character and making that world real because that perspective of acting is very much about, um, it's very, it's, it's very much about instead of going into your feelings, Oh my golly. Um, instead of going, I don't know if you heard that, but that was the (laughs) my phone going off. Um, so I'll start again. Um, at, at the, um, at Stella Adler, um, I was studying there in the U S for a little while as part of the Heath Ledger scholarship. I, um, they taught us that when you're creating a character and you want to really create, um, something living and breathing instead of it's, it's sort of a different technique to the one where you go in and get your own emotions. You, you sort of make it and then you live in it. Um, we were encouraged to speak it out. Um, you talk out, um, what you're seeing and, and what you're feeling and, and it solidifies something, and I, that I have learned really applies to different parts of your life as well. So when I'm like when I'm anxious, um, uh, you know, in any any aspect of my life, I've learned that even just verbally processing, or um, or writing it out, or talking it out, or praying it out, or whatever it is, if it's mm. verbalized, um, if the if the burden is unburdened and then the the truth is actually um, spoken, I find that so powerful and healing. I know it's, that, it's the age-old thing of affirmations, but I don't think it has to be mm-hmm. as wanky or as, like, formal as that either. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it can just be, like, it's okay, Anna. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I think it can just be that.
0: <laughs> With all of this in play and all of this surrounding you, uh, you know, this faith that is all-consuming and all-empowering, um, the work in the arts that at times can be very challenging and, and something that can cause you to question the things that you believe or even push you. You know, why should you think mm. that? Why should you believe that? Mm. In those situations, who do you, you don't have to reveal your name. Sorry, that's probably not the best way to oh, put it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to ask is who do you then turn to to get, to get that encouragement to go on?
1: Hmm. It's a great question um it depends it's it's funny, isn't it like I think everybody has their team and they're not of an official team they're like mm. they're like you're in a circle and you got yeah. you know like in this situation I gotta call this person this person, not this person this person, but it's really hard to discern who should be in that team, and mm-hmm. I think I've made the mistake over the years of. Of very quickly or very impulsively letting people onto that team. <laughs> and then having later being have to be like, I'm really sorry, but but this this level of intimacy is probably not the best. Um, you know, first and foremost, my folks like, oh man, they um there's there's nothing quite like um you know, a pair of scientific parents for an artist daughter like this. (laughs) And they've like, they are so awesome. They're so creative, but they're so objective as, as well. And you know what? They haven't, they've lived their lives in such a way that is full on service. Like they, they work in health and, and, All they've Mm. done their whole lives, if they stuck to the careers that they chose when they were 17, which, you know, it's just extraordinary to me, and they've served and healed other people, and Mm. um, they're they're my heroes. And um, I I know I'll get a firm word from them no matter what. You know, like if I call Mm. my mom and I'm like, oh, I feel really sorry for myself,
0: (laughs) she'll be like,
1: Oh my gosh, go for a run or Like she'll be like, "What are you eating sugar?" (laughs) She's not just health based, but she's like, she's not that she's not that bad. But she's she's actually in my or she'll be like, just just stop doing things. She's so um, she's very practical and she's always right. It's so annoying. She's always right. Um, and so they're the like they're the go-to. But at the same time, there are sometimes it's sometimes it's professional stuff. Sometimes it's stuff with work or um or relationships and, and that type of stuff. And there are other people, mentors, um, and friends and, and management where it's awesome. Like it's incredible with technology these days, how quickly you can connect with people too, Mm. no matter where they are. You know, I have a friend in the U S she was, she's German. She was my housemate in America and she's a very, very close friend. And, um, we leave each other voice messages of just like full-on downloads of like, and then this happened, <laughs> and this happened, and this happened. And it's it's incredible. Um, it's just a beautiful way because you're in different time zones. You can't always just have a conversation for an hour, but sometimes all you need to do is like record it, speak it out mm. for two minutes, and send it to somebody. And whether or not they <laughs> listen, it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> Are your parents people of faith? No.
1: Um oh, I mean, at the same time, like look, I'm from a long line of Irish Catholics, um so <laughs> yes, but see i'm i'm I sort of pertain more to a Protestant worldview now, so I was a little my grandparents weren't thrilled, um but they were like like amazing Irish Catholics, ten children lived in Dolby, like the full-on thing, so my dad came out of that and has um you know like a deep resonance to faith um but it's and it's something we've talked about a little bit um they're incredibly supportive um Mm. but for them it's a different journey and my mum had a different journey too you know culturally in the anglican church and for her her spiritual journey is um is is gentler and and more internal at the moment and i'm just i love it like i love all of it um i love talking about it (laughs) they're like Mm. oh gosh (laughs) um but but yeah um it's different. It's different for um, for everyone in my family.
0: What do you do really well?
1: Uh, what? Oh, look. Gosh. Okay. Bear with me. You know, like the instinct comes up to be like, oh, maybe I do this good, and then some part of your brain is like, no. I don't. Um. <laughs> I look I think something this is everything I've been sharing with you has been so conceptual and I never intended it to be but uh, this sort of maybe is an insight into the brain but I've I think something I do really well is um, um I can find the connection between two completely unrelated ideas and I I really think that like the best um the most interesting work, the most interesting art, or writing, or um, even film, is about juxtaposition.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so, I've I've made a sort of hobby, I guess, in my life of, of finding of finding the links between things. I love to find the connection um, between two ideas. Um, and so, when I think about things that I have a gift for, something I do really well. Um, I, I, I've, I think ever since I was a kid, I really, I really felt like I could, if I could do anything, I could, I could write stories. And I think that that's, that in itself is part of that whole journey of storytelling as well. Um, But also I make a good mud cake do tell. Um, I just look. I'm I'm, in, I'm learning how to be a woman. So I've I've <laughs> I know it sounds incredibly 1950s, but it's one of those things that like I sort of I missed the boat. Um, with the like, the I don't know. I never had like really young. I have two brothers, but I never had really young siblings. I didn't learn how to like change nappies or, um. I didn't do make, I went to a school where they were like full of feminists. We didn't even offer it. Like it was awesome. So I just sort of got <laughs> to adulthood and was like, how do I cook food for myself and like do all this stuff? So it's taken me a few years. And so it's a bit of a joke amongst my friends and I that I'm learning how to woman. So like every time I like achieve a womaning goal, like I like successfully clean the house or um, you know do my washing without you know ruining my clothes or um you know hold a baby and it doesn't cry like i'm i'm like yes yes i'm gaining the skills that one day might be used um and so the other day i, I haven't made a mud cake in a long time but i made a mud cake for somebody and mm-hmm. um i rocked up <laughs> i rocked up to this person it was for their birthday and i i rocked up to like give them the cake and they were like it's cool like i'm actually hanging out with a bunch of my friends we can all eat it and i was like oh gosh like I've never actually made a, like a cake like this before, but that, that's cool. Like um, your friends won't mind. And I turn up and all his friends are chefs.
0: <laughs> and <they were> like, <laughs>
1: it was it was mortifying. I was like, oh, at like a really nice restaurant. So I put the cake, my, my little cake, you know, covered in cream with like a strawberry mm. in the middle and like covered in glad wrap. Like I put the cake like on the table mm. and the restaurant were like, shall we take it? Into the kitchen, to then try, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And they sort of all—they really—they were lovely. They like played up to it and were like ready to pull a Master Chef on me. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, Moke, uh, it—it was very well received.
0: So what I think makes a good mud cake. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to ask, what makes a good mud cake? Oh, you have to do it all in the order. You follow
1: the recipe. It's a revelation. Um, <laughs> I didn't know this. But you
0: mean you can't bake it before you mix it?
1: I know. But, no, it's more the little things. Like you put the sugar and the butter and the chocolate in, you you melt and mix that first, or oh, wait, maybe maybe you don't. But it's something like that. Like you <laughs> sift the other stuff together, and then you you mix certain things early. Um, it has to have like actual dark chocolate in it. But the very best thing, and this is what we couldn't achieve that night because I had made the mother cake that day. Um, you have it's so much better the next day after being refrigerated, because then the chocolate sort of comes together into this fudgy situation, and then it's like you're eating fudge. Mmm, fudge. I know. I know. I love it.
0: Now I really want some mud cake.
1: Oh, next time I'm in Brisbane, I will make you
0: one. Oh, sister, you've just become my world's favourite person. Yeah. Where is the line between public and private for you? Ooh.
1: Very good question. Um, I was listening to another one of your podcasts and someone was talking about authenticity and um, that resonates with me because I, when I first started working in TV, mm. I was, I was, I was really passionate about showing all of myself and all of my flaws. And I was like, if people are gonna try and see me in a public context, like I don't want to hide anything. And I was very way too open, you know, like way too like la 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 la. <laughs> um, and then really had to pare it back because I got burned and. As I've sort of gotten a little bit older, but also as all my feelings and thoughts and opinions have changed, um, it's, been, it's been interesting because I was, quite, I was very guarded. But then, like, as I've, I don't know, as I've shifted and changed, I've just realized as well that we can remain guarded about who we are or what we think or how we feel, um, but something's always going to come out. So Mm -hmm. you're people are going to have an idea of who you are, whether it's accurate or not, whether you say anything or not. And I realized, I guess the power of my own voice, because I was like, I can wait for other people to, um, write about me, um, and say things about me Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: about the things that I believe, but I'm probably better at articulating that myself. And if I do articulate, and it's a healing thing, if I'm speaking out something that's giving life to other people and not tearing them down, then, then maybe that's, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a positive. And so I've slowly, like, for me, personal relationships and, um, um, you know, the details of that and the, you know, those moments where you're just completely, you've shed off all the skins of what it means to be like an actor or, um, or, or even a person, you know, like even I was working in a cafe a few months ago, like even, even that person, even a person in your workplace, when you come home, you shed all the layers and you go like, oh, I like, get it. Like, I'm just at home, like, or I'm just alone with my friends or with God or um, with a partner or whatever that is. Like, that's deeply private but then I feel like when it comes to the way I navigate the world or um or the questions I have or my mm. in like my flaws in that way where I'm like I just don't know or I just don't understand I feel like the more we can be vocal about that as people and share it um the better in so many ways because it opens up what I hope is a safe dialogue so um yeah I guess I reckon I'm probably a lot more um like I write this blog and I, I people are like, oh, gosh, you've, you say a lot. <laughs> and <I> do, like <laughs> if you knew me, like if you were in my life, you realise I really don't. Like I actually don't say that much. I don't give away much. But um, I guess we don't – I don't feel like we don't – people don't talk candidly very much and I wish we did.
0: Yeah. You work in an industry that is becoming not, – not even becoming – very frequently – has expectations on actors, particularly female actors to get their kid off as a part of their character. Mm -hmm. Has your view on that changed?
1: Oh yeah. Um, But I guess it always was going to, because I Mm. came in so wide eyed, um, which I don't resent, actually. I don't despise that. I just think it, I think it's sort of beautiful now. Um, It's, I never I never realized. You don't realize. When you're in acting school, you sort of it feels like this weird far off dream that you might ever one day get a job because everyone's very honest with you. Like (laughs) you don't go in going, I'm going to be a star. Like we all left acting school and we're like so what else will we do with our lives? Like what, what degree do we do now? (laughs) Like, like no one, no one was like, get me to like a couple of people actually weren't like get me to Hollywood. And you know what? They're now superstars. But, um, at least in the sort of, at least for me, I was like, Oh, like, well, now I, that was amazing, but we'll see. And, um, I'll give it a couple of years and then I'll, you know, maybe I'll go into health like my parents. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I was like, anyway, basically, I guess the beast that the industry is, particularly with women at first, you are just so grateful to be in it at all. Like Mm. you're so grateful to get any job. Um, And it's not this, it's not even insecure. It's just, it's just that it's so awesome. It's so cool to be able to do the thing that you are passionate about and that you love um, because so many people don't get to do it. And, it's um it's such a thrill and so any um inbuilt misogyny or any built inbuilt objectification is at first in some ways quite flattering you you just sort of go oh this is this is just part of this industry i'm okay with this mm. and i suppose as the years have passed and i've you know remained excited and grateful but also at the same time have been able to have um to inject a bit more creativity or or, or have media roles or just see the difference between different writers or different production companies or networks and the different way they, they deal with women. And so you, you start to learn what the difference is between being honored and valued, um, and being used. And, and when I see younger women than me coming up through it, I get incredibly protective and, Mm. um, because I've, I guess I've been through it and, I am it's something I'm very passionate about to be honest because I I think that it has to change.
0: What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months?
1: Oh, well, um that's a that's a great question. Well, well I can I can tell you what I'm hoping to achieve. At this stage I know that um I'm filming Blake, Dr. Blake here in Melbourne at mm. the moment and I'm I'm really thrilled about that and we uh, will um finish that the fourth season in December. So I know that that, that is a ball that's rolling. And there are a couple of other potentials too, which is exciting as an actor where you just go, Oh, the idea for new, you know, when you, when you have the, when there's a possibility of new characters entering your life, because it isn't, they're like they're like friends, or like people that come along for a time, and you have to you know really invest in that relationship with that character. And so it's exciting to think, oh, I might have a new friend next year, or I might have a couple of them, or hmm. I might get to do that. Um, but to be honest, um, the it's there are a few other projects, I guess, for me as a creative that are brewing that I'm that just sort of. oh it's so exciting it just feels so exciting to i'm i'm studying at afters at the moment and i graduate in november and um i'm studying screenwriting for film and we are we're making these projects and i've been writing films and um and just also sort of just slowly learning how to have a voice as um a filmmaker or as a director or as someone that that stands and, and creates the, the broader picture. And it's so hard, like what, a, and what a dense, um, vocation, um, well, just crazy, but I'm really, really excited about actually stepping into that next year. And actually in, in the next 12 months, just beginning that, um, journey from the bottom and really learning what that is and what that feels like. Um, and whether or not, the visions that I have in my mind, or the ideas and the stories that I want to tell, resonate with anybody else, you know. Like what, like you don't, you don't know what that relationship is yet. Like I know my relationship mm. to, um, to a character and to an audience and to a into a stage to a crew, but um, yeah, we were shooting. I've been shoot, I shot this. It's like two days ago. I I sort of for the first time properly um, got to direct a music video um for somebody, and. I was like a child. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like running around so manic and excited giggling because I couldn't believe it was, I couldn't, and maybe this is me with like some weird boss power complex. So I was like, I'm in charge now. <laughs> Getting my actor to like do multiple <laughs> takes and be like, finally, it's paper. But um, it, it honestly was just like, what a joy it is to like be, to create anything. Like what a remarkable thing that is that, that we have the ability to, to to dream of something in our minds, and then something that has never previously existed before, we as human beings can then um, create it. Um, and it took a day. like it, it was, I don't know. it's all very existential. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's like 8:30 in the morning <laughs> so
0: It's sorry. fine, Anna. Thank you so much for sharing what yeah, you have. Thanks. Please please know that you are highly valued and the things that you shared with us are very special today. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's a lovely thing to say. I've loved this. It's great.
0: It's so fun chatting with you. Thank you very much. Obviously, Obviously you're on Twitter. Yes. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit to?
1: Oh, well, I'm on Instagram. Um, mm. It's funny. The thing I love about Twitter is that it's such a specific – It's such as everyone's on there very intentionally. I find like Instagram and Facebook, people sort of just like they sort of lurk. And it's not that we don't have lurkers on Twitter too, but like for some reason, I feel like it's so much easier to have to be honest on Twitter. Like, and like you can like I love space, and to you can share all the space stuff, Mm. and like the right audience are like yeah, man love in the space stuff and like or you can share <laughs> something political or religious and the writer and like yeah yeah or like and you can you can find your people in a weird way on twitter and you yep. you are forgiven for when you divert like um you diverge like you 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 know you can you can be your full self in a way, but then for some reason, Instagram and Facebook are these very, and often because they are people that really know you as well, but they have these, they might be from like your high school, like yeah. instead of being in your peer group um, in your industry, they're like, <laughs> like, it's such a weird, I can't help but see it as audiences. I am. Um, you know, I've got like one of those actor Facebook profiles that I never mm-hmm. post on and they're really bad. So nobody look at that. Um, <laughs> but I do have Instagram and I'm an avid poster because I I love images. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at Anna McGahn is indeed human.
1: Yay.